getting, Jim. But not as we know it. This is This is Bashcast, episode number... One, seven, eight. It is 15 minutes past 58pm on Thursday the 16th of September 2021. In this afternoon's Bashcast, Cristiano Ronaldo returns to the Premiership. So we look at a couple of different techniques for pricing up player XG and AGS, anytime goal scorer, and a hell of a price that was offered on the exchanges for him. Usually talk about winning on the golf. Let's look at the other side of the coin, the flip side of variance after uh, a few losing weeks in a row. Open up the mailbag. Got a couple of letters in there. And we finished with a look at the NFL season and an edge on low scoring games. All of that and more coming up in this afternoon's Bashcast. Ronaldo returns to the Premiership, uh, much to the frustration of Manchester City fans and Newcastle fans, to be fair, and Young Boys fans. Um, uh, look, it was a really weird thing where in the morning everyone thought, oh, he's going Man City. He's off Man City. That's weird. He's gone from Manchester United all around Europe over to Juventus, um, and then Man City to possibly finish his career, uh, and then at the last minute. Some shenanigans probably went on behind the scenes and he ends up back at um, Manchester United for uh, £12.8 million because he was uh, coming to the end of his contract with Juventus so they couldn't 
We couldn't get anything more for him. But more importantly for Ronaldo, £480,000 a week, which isn't bad. So sometimes the, the, the figures become almost meaningless, don't they? So if you're earning... I remember it wasn't long ago when people were gasping at 100000 a week and now Ronaldo is pretty much on £2 million a month. There, that puts him at the um, highest paid uh, player in the Premiership. He also takes the number seven from uh, jersey from Thingy. Um, what's his name? Because of C. Uh, the other guy, Cavani, um, uh, who, had to give, who had to give up the jersey. Unlucky to you. The thing is, does Cristiano Ronaldo need £480,000 a week? Um, he's already... They say, some people say he's a billionaire, but if he's not, he's a high hundred millionaire, if you know what I mean. One of the all-time highest paid athletes ever. And so, um, I don't know. He's done well to negotiate that agreement. Here's a pop quiz for you, if you're ever in the pub. Uh, name the top ten. See how many of the top ten anyway you can get of the highest paid uh, sporting athletes in the current year that you're in, 2021. Uh, And also see if you can get all-time top 10. Uh, It's gettable, but it's hard. Um, And if you want to add something in, so given the... I'll spoil this slightly. It's not too difficult maybe to get the top two of all-time at Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan um, uh, are commonly thought of. But if you want to be sneaky, add in... Um, the charioteer Gaius Apuleius Diocles, um, uh, 104 AD to after 146 AD, who apparently earned in the region of um, was it 150 billion pounds in in current money in today's money, something like that. Um, uh, here we go, 35,863,120 sesterces, sesterces, which is 50, oh no, it's not 150 billion, it's 15 billion, so he's probably got less than Bezos, but um, yeah, um, began his racing career in Rome in 122 AD, so you know, at the older age of 18, as a Roman, Roman charioteers tend to be sort of younger, 14, 15, coming through the lower leagues of chariot racing. Um, Didn't actually race until he was 20, actually, uh, from the racing stable known as the Whites. He became known as the Lamessus and brought fame and renown to his city of Lamessum, hence the Lamessus. Within the city, a statue was erected on top of a fountain near a garden known today as Jardim Do Campo, located in the centre of the town. Another monument uh, dedicated to Diocles is located in Neumagen, Germany. And none of that came from uh, my A-level in classical civilization. Uh, Why do you need an A-level when you've got Wikipedia? He commonly raced the four-horse chariots or the quadrigae. That would have been fun to go and watch, right? In the old 140 AD times down in Rome. The post-Jesus era. Um, But anyway, we're now in the post-Juventus era for Ronaldo. And he comes over, signs for Manchester United. And there's a little bit of, just a tiny bit of uncertainty about whether he is going to start for Manchester United against Newcastle. This is on the 
Friday morning. Uh, now, when trying to price up if a player is going to score or not, you have to bring quite a lot of things into it. Um, the, probably the major um, component of the AGS price is the XG of the game, right? If the game's got a really low XG, the player's going to have a really low XG. The AGS price isn't going to be that low. It's going to be higher because he's got less chance of getting goals. If you've got a match that's going to have 10 goals in it, then the AGS of the strikers and the guys that are going to get those goals is going to be lower. On Friday morning, we were particularly interested in this because Ronnie was trading for pennies as the AGS market tends to trade on the exchange um, for about 1.8. Um, top price, which is always a reasonable indicator on the exchange, on the bookmakers, was 1.5. But with a lot of the times top price, with a spread of about 1.4 to 1.5, a lot of the times um, Unibet were an outlier, actually, as I remember, 1.66, but you can always discount the outliers that are really big as just um, uh, stale prices or it just when there's an outlier that's big, it's almost certainly an ARB. Um, and the pennies that were trading at 1.8 weren't indicative of anything. So often top price, even discounting the outlier, is around about the same as the exchange price. If you want to play safe, 2%, 5%, 9% markup, something like that. I mean, 10% markup at really small prices um, um, starts not to make sense. 10% on top of 1.1, for example, it's quite a, it's, it's quite a lot. So, and people, of course, fave, fave long shot bias comes into it, but then flip it around, fave long shot bias isn't going to count for Ronaldo. He's probably going to be one of the more popular um players to be bet on that particular week. So there is going to be a lot of markup. So it, there's a lot of things to be bringing in. But before anything happened, just looking at the markets alone, you might have thought his price was anywhere between 1.5 and 1.8, something like that. Then you can look at the um, XG of the game. Um, and it was quite high, Manchester United versus Newcastle. Um, so like 3.2. Two five in that match, and then you're like, well, who's going to get the goals in that game? Are we splitting any? How much are we splitting to Man United? How much are we splitting to Newcastle United? Well, we kind of know that we can base that on a function of the match odds, um, and sort of do a historical re regression analysis of loads of games, and sort of come up, okay, this is the if, if the home team is this, this odds and the away team is this odds, then we're going to split home the way XG um, sort of historically how it has been. Split and so now you have the amount of goals you expect for Manchester United in the game, which was around about two goals. And you look at the formation now. Um, how do you guess what's going to happen? Well, there was some debate about whether he was going to start or not. Uh, around nobody was sure. Um, common sense would dictate that Ronaldo's the kind of unlikely the kind of guy that's going to want to come in and just be subbed on at 70 minutes he's not going to come on from the bench he's either starting or he's not playing um, and you, there are various resources apparently the Sun got 100% of the England lineups correct over the Euros the day before or something like that whether that was a mole or not you have whoscored.com who put up um, 
probable lineups. You can never be 100%. Of course you can't unless you're the manager. No one can be. But you can have a stab at it and use reliable sources. And whoscored.com on uh, Friday morning had Ronnie starting not just up front, but up front in a formation. He was up front on his own with uh, three behind him. So he's going to get a few of those goals um, for Manchester United. They, they're going to score two goals on average. That's their XG. And uh, Ronnie could realistically have half of the XG of Manchester United. So uh, that's one way of looking at it. And then another way, as we discussed, is looking at the market conditions and just seeing what's going on. You can actually probably do both techniques um, and um, sort of average out. Um, what you can do is you can look at the market conditions and then use a reverse or an inverse probability distribution. So um, pass on the probability distribution equals lambda, which is the, the mean or the in this case the the player XG, divided by the number of occurrences, so over zero would work it out for AGS, over one would be working out for two plus goals, over two would be working out for three plus goals, um, uh, multiplied by Euler to the power of minus lambda. Now, we can solve this equation from lambda using either some code or a spreadsheet or some funky means that we need to, and essentially take the reverse of that and take the AGS price or the fair odds for the AGS, whether that's the bookmaker or whether that's the um, exchange, the last price match, the, the midpoint, the back, the lay, anything. I mean, there's a lot of judgment and sort of some of it is objective and some of it is subjective judgment, but it's best judgment on what the fair odds are and then work backwards and uh, take an inverse plus on. And what you can do is get player XG from that. And now that you've got the player XG, you can use that for a heap of calculations. You can uh, project forward for 2+, plus, project forward for 3+, plus, um, project for, uh, the player to score in both halves. And in fact, if you've got the uh, assumed starting 11, um, uh, and of course the, the starting 11 are going to get some goals, but the subs are also going to get goals as well. So you have to take the team XG and uh, multiply it by some function. Uh, historically, about 8.5% of goals have been scored by substitutes um, across the top European leagues. But there is quite a, a big differential. It's only 5% in the Bundesliga. It's 10% in League One. It's 9.8% in the EPL. So if you want to take an average, it's about 8.5%. So we're talking about 91.5% of the XG of the team get distributed amongst them. And you can compare that against what you're getting from an inverse um, Poisson from market information and sort of now start to make a best judgment about what the price is for the player and we're now making proper um, um, uh, moves in the direction of getting this tool live for uh, every game that we choose that we want to look at AGS out over the particular day um, so uh, hopefully that'll be something that's released before the end of the year and we'll be able to play with back to what was happening on Friday both pictures were putting Ronaldo's price somewhere between 1.5 and 1.8. I was settling early doors on Friday on about 1.605 and later in the day about 1.685. However, on Friday morning, William Hill did a mega boost, one of those mega boosts where you can get almost no money on it 
and if you take it, you'll be restricted. So it's just it's it doesn't bring in the mug punters that they want, and it just ends up costing them money because they restrict they probably restrict a lot of uh, mug punters. But regardless, they did it in shop, although it was with the plus card only, um, which the plus card essentially means we can track you and restrict you a lot easier. Uh, and online, if you can get on online. Uh, and it was £10 maximum, I'm, I'm assuming. And it was Ronaldo to score any time at 2 to 1. Okay? So £10 maximum, £20 liability. Even with 10 accounts, you're struggling to make it worthwhile uh, as an advantage player. So they've done that. But then Skybet do the same. I, now, I don't know what the limits were at Sky. Sometimes Sky boosts these things and they have um, larger limits. I, I genuinely don't know. But they also boosted Ronaldo to 2 to 1. Um... I've seen this before between William Hill and Skybet. It's sometimes, especially in tennis, it's almost like they share the same, they don't share the same traders, but they share the same boosts. The boot, it's almost like there's some provider in the background that uh, they both go, well, we're not going to price up boosts ourselves. We're going to outsource the pricing of boosts to a, a company and they can tell me who to do. Because I've seen like, they'll have three up for the tennis and they'll be exactly the same. Like, you know, Djokovic to win the first set 6-3 to, or 6-4 is 7-1 to one, and they'll be exactly the same at both sides. And then they'll have Osaka to win 2-1 boosted to 7-2. To and it's like, well, how can you both have chosen exactly those markets to boost, those selections to boost and those prices to boost too? It's almost like they're coming from the same place. And they did the same thing here. I don't know, maybe they're copying each other. Maybe it's a tip for tat. But whatever it is, it helps us because... The pennies that were trading at 1.8 on the exchange shot up to 2.8, 2.82, 2.84. Now, you look at the exchange and you're like, why is the guy trading up there? Because I've got two methods where I'm estimating player XG and AGS price and neither of them tie up with the information that I'm seeing on the exchange. And a lot of the times the exchange is the is the primary resource for information. But at this point, I am looking at it very suspiciously and I'm discounting it. Uh, one of three things is happening at this point. Okay, One, his price is 2.8 to score a goal. Now, if he starts, I don't believe that. None of my mathematics suggests that Ronnie is 2.8 to score a goal if he starts. Also, if he doesn't start, I don't believe he's coming on in 70 minutes. So I don't think there's a risk. I mean... These bets do go in play for the full 90 and you get, you get stung if he comes on in the 88th minute and he only plays two minutes. You're just destroyed then. There's almost zero value, zero EV. But that that can happen annoyingly sometimes when players start to substitute. It's not happening with Ronaldo in this game. He's not coming on in the 88th minute. He's not coming on in the 70th minute. He's either playing from the first minute and he won't be subbed off unless he hasn't got match fitness but he was only playing for Juventus last week he will have match fitness he doesn't drink he doesn't smoke he doesn't party he eats well he hides cans of Coca-Cola from the desk of the UEFA Euros Um, you know what I mean he's clean living he'll be match fit Ronaldo will be so he'll be playing the whole game so I don't I don't see the 2.86 as the price of him to score in the game. Maybe that's what the market makers think, but I don't believe I don't agree with them if that's what they do think. The second thing that is going on is people are pricing him at 2.8 because of the uh, risk of him not starting the game because there wasn't any certainty over that. Solskjaer hadn't had his pre-match team news against Newcastle on Friday morning. Again, I'm discounting that risk because I don't believe there's a risk of him 
coming in and playing a very small percentage of the game. That's my judgment call in the game based on the resources that I have. And number three, the layers, the arbitrage players, the match betters, the bonus bums, all these guys have jumped on either William Hill, Sky, or both. They're all getting £20 on multiplied by however many counts they have. It's an enormous boost to every single one of the tens of thousands is on it. And if you count every single one of those up and they're both sticking £10 on William Hill and £10 on, on um, Skybet multiplied by their accounts, they're all holding the price way above what it should be. The same as a lot of other boosted markets. Um, and that was my judgment call on that game. I was like, they're holding it up. And it's, it's, it's always interesting to me where... It settles. The boost was obviously so high it didn't settle at 2.98, although I think it did trade up at 2.9. These guys are literally backing at 3 and laying at 2.9. Well, whoever's providing that liquidity for them to lay is getting an unbelievable price, in my opinion. So I stuck a load of money up at um, 2.86, I think mine went at. And there was just about, it was almost like I've never seen before, you could have as much as you want. There was just so much liquidity, hundreds of pounds being sat at 2.8 and 2.82 and being taken at 2.86. Anyway, Solskjaer has his press conference and he says that uh, Ronnie is going to start. Um, this is around about, I think, 11 a.m. on Friday, maybe 12 p.m. on Friday. And uh, the price comes down to about 2.4, and then it's very volatile. It's a trader's dream, 2.4, 2.5, 2.6, 2.5, 2.4. It's just bouncing around everywhere. No one knows. It kind of is trying to get back to the uh, fair price, the reasonable odds, and then the arbitrage players are introducing more bias in because of the boosts at Skybet and William Hill. Um then um, nothing is really certain until Team News is announced one hour before the event, even though Solskjaer has said he was starting um, the day before in the press conference. Uh, and as soon as um, he uh, is announced in the starting point, the price collapses down to 2.2, 2.1, 2.0, goes odds on, 1.9, 1.8, settles down at about 1.6, and then starts to climb up again to 2.0. And what's happened here is we're getting a second resurgence of arbitrage players who are like, right, I, I didn't know if I was going to, you know, maybe w win my back and lose my lay or something um, if he wasn't starting. And now I know he's starting. I'm jumping on. Uh, it bounced back up to 2.0. And when it went off, it was 1.72 starting price. And I believe actually that, that right at kickoff, that was probably close to what the true fair odds were just with a smidgen of bias holding it up. I had it at 1.6 the day before and 1.68 I corrected it to on the Saturday morning based on the information in front of me. And again, all of that is, uh, I wrote up a blog about the two different techniques for assessing player XG, um, which you can go and have a look at. But all of that um, um, were sort of built into the information that I was using and I traded quite highly, quite a high amount of money just on one side because I, 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 I couldn't uh, second guess the volatility in the movement um, quite as well. But what I could say is that 2.8 just isn't the right price. It's just not the right price. It's a huge price. You know, I'm getting 2.8 for as much money as I want on the exchange 
when I'm thinking it's around about 1.7, 1.6 A, at worst 1.8, but not much more than that. So um, he then plays against um, Newcastle, um, and um, I couldn't care less about Newcastle's performance against Manchester United. I just want to see Ronnie score. Nobody scored in the Premiership in the first half, and then Ronnie had a penalty. I thought he had a penalty, but this flash scores is just saying um, it was just a there was a tap in. So whatever it was, he scored in the second minute of injury time uh, in the first half. Got his second in the 62nd minute as Manchester United, it's not really a rout, they beat Newcastle 4-1, it's probably an expected score, that, to tell you the truth. And then um, a couple of days later, go over to Switzerland, um, where Manchester United fancied young boys, but um, um, uh, they were too strong for them. Um, Ronaldo scored in the 13th minute, but a red card for Van Bissaka meant that they lost that match. That was a huge... By the way, that match was huge on the coupons. Um, it was 8-1. to one, um, Young boys to win three or more goals and possibly 6-1 to one young boys to win two or more goals. And it was the early kickoff on that day. And they both came in. So I've triggered a 6-1 to one and an 8-1 to one as the first game of all of my coupon, all of my trebles on the Tuesday. And that just meant that any two games had the potential to go really big on Tuesday night. I got extremely excited, more excited than I should have done, definitely because the other six games on that coupon didn't win, didn't even nearly win. <laughs> So I think I gave a big golf segment, maybe a, a bash cast or two off. Um, but let's talk about it now uh, for the single purpose of winning is easy. Winning is the easiest thing in the entire world. Anyone can win. It's super easy to win. You can go on a hot streak and win and life is just easy. No one ever quit when they were winning. Is that true? That's a sweeping statement, isn't it? Okay, let's just run with that. No one ever quit when they were winning. There's no such phrase as quit whilst you're ahead, is there? Um, and when Abraham, Abraham Answer came from nowhere to win the FedEx St. Jude on the 8th of August, which is only a month and a week ago, um, 2021, on a day where I had both winners uh, on both tournaments, um, with the guy that won the European Tour, who, amazingly, long forgotten who that was now. <laughs> I didn't put him up in the golf options um, on bookie bashing or weekly golf value to be benchmark. I did Abraham answer. Only had four golfers in that tournament, 45 to 1. Jordan Spieth, 16 to 1, came nowhere. Since then, in the sort of a month and a half, things have been uh, choppy, for sure. Um, uh, someone had commented that probably very fairly, um, that they had been um, butchered on the golf. Butchered. My wife always laughs every time I say the word butcher, like we're going to the butcher. Because apparently I say butcher, and I have to be very careful now. So I'm sort of deliberately coming under the English pronunciation of butchered, not butchered. So racist, isn't she? Um, so since, yeah, uh, he said he'd been butchered <laughs> this could be a difficult segment he said he'd been butchered um on the golf 
uh, I think not placing, very sensibly, incidentally, not placing the selections that I put up, but picking guys off the track. And I didn't read in detail. I think Duncan spoke to him um, about exactly the strategy and everything like that. Um, so I didn't re- read the fine detail. What I would say is a couple of things. Uh, firstly, uh, you're not the only one. There's been a lot of people who haven't been on the radar who have been winning in the last couple of months. Uh, my drawdown, believe it or not, is reaching its peak. Uh, my peak drawdown in the two and a half years I've been doing golf has been 920-odd pounds down. Um, so I've rather smugly started recommending a £1,000 bankroll and got to two years and how many months? Two years and some months, two years and four months without ever, that, that bankroll would never have been busted no matter when you joined. Well, just now it's at minus £855 and I have staked um, on the um, options I put up £214 this weekend across two tournaments, across the Fortinet Championship and the Dutch Open. And if I bust that for the first time in the two months and f- two years and four months since recording results, that will mean that um, if you had started uh, two months ago with the £1,000 bankroll and you'd followed exactly what I said, you would be bust. Um, now, if this guy had started two months ago and had just been placing bets on the tracker uh, and had gone bust... Uh, he has my sympathies. No wonder. I don't know if he did start two months ago. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he did. Uh, actually, one of my biggest fears isn't... I, I never fear downswings in my own gambling. I'm very used to them. In fact, there's that. There's the old adage, it's impossible to win without losing. Right? You have to go on long losing runs in order to win. And so it's the way that you deal emotionally, mentally... Even mathematically, it's the way that you deal with those losing runs that allows you to win. If you if if they um, overcome you, if you're staking too high, if you're too emotionally attached to the money, if it's just if you get to that sort of feeling that you can, I, I think you can get into poker sometimes where it's just like bad beats after bad beats. I can't win a hand, so I cannot pick someone to even place in this tournament. If you get to that mindset, it'll it'll drive it'll drive you down because it means nothing. It's a it's a emotional bias uh from a set of results that are nothing more than mathematical variance. Nothing more than that. And yet we're trying to put things onto it. Am I picking it at the wrong time of day? Am I um am I picking the wrong too many outsiders? Am I picking too many favourites? And none of that's valid. None of it. It's, it's simply variance and it's simple fact that we can't win without going on long losing runs and yeah I'm in a bad one probably the worst one in two and a half years just now which is amazing in such a short period of time um, but I have to be able to go through uh, periods like this if I can't then I can't win in the long run it's as simple as that um, since Abraham answer won let's go through the tournaments um, the Hero Open Selected eight guys. The person that did best was Louis de Jaeger because he withdrew before the tournament started, and that me- meant that we got our money back from the bookmaker on him. <laughs> Everyone else lost. Uh, the next tournament, the Barracuda, um, a single place in that tournament for a marginal win from Adam Schenk, but in the same week, the Wyndham Championship was a full bust. Uh, eight golfers totally lost. The following week, 11 golfers in the Kazoo Classic, uh, all quite high odds, but all bust. Um, trying to sort of snaffle that sixth or seventh place, didn't get close. Next week, 
Northern Trust. Six golfers, including a 18-1 Rory Morikawa and a 22-1 Rory McIlroy, all bust. Everyone drink. Um, no one could finish in the top eight places there. Uh, the following week, um, there was uh, a loss on the Czech Masters. Again, we had a void Zheng Kai Bai uh, and Sean Crocker placed, but that place from Sean Crocker wasn't enough for the other uh, six losses in the tournament. Uh, and over in the BMW Championship, a full bust over in that. Over the next week in the Amiga Championship, uh, eight golfers, just one place dead heat, one to six. Guido Migliotti saying when it's place dead heat, one to six, that's still a loss on him. Um and over in the Tour Championship, eight golfers, only a place from Justin Thomas, staked quite low on him at 18-1 to 1 because the EV was low, and that meant that a full loss there. Uh, the Italian Open in the same week, um, uh, nine golfers, eight golfers, full bust, and then last week, BMW PGA Championship. Actually was targeting Victor Holland, Hovland before I looked at any odds because I put my graph up, and it was like, God, I can't believe in a 160-person field Sky better 15 to 2 on Victor Hovland. And then I did the graph, and his stats were just mind blowing compared to the rest of the field in terms of recent bogeys and um, just everything he was doing um, where showed that statistically he was a mile ahead of the field. And perhaps 15 to 2 was the right price, uh, uh, sort of 11.0 on the exchange, and took him. Um, well, I took him at 11.0. We put him up eight places on the exchange. We put him up at 11, uh, eight places at William Hill at the same price, um, 11.0, 10 to 1. Um, and he barely made the cut. He made the cut like by like one shot and then drifted away with a three over on the third round or something like that. But, and the odd thing about the BMW PGA Championship is that um, it was a really strange tournament. As I said, I've said this before. Um, I put these selections up uh, just to monitor the performance of the tracker. They're not necessarily the selections I get on myself, although I, get, I mostly get on them in the exchange. In terms of betting at bookmakers and shops, I bet on whose value at Betfred and um, at the rest of the shops that we monitor on the uh, on the tracker because I'm not restricted there. I can get on essentially as much liability as I want through as many shop visits as I want. And um, in the BMW PGA Championship, I, I actually smashed that tournament. Um, there was a point... In um, in the last day, not very far away from the end of the tournament, where I was returning a decent five-figure profit on that tournament because I had um, four people placing and one winning, and that was Thomas Peters, uh, Andrew Johnston, beef, beef, uh, always a roundabout, never actually... Um, Never actually winning these, these days. Maybe you all want. Sorry, got to mute that. What a stupid sound that is. How do you mute on this computer? Mute, 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 mute. Thank you. Um, uh, Kiradek Afi Barnrat was winning, and um, is it Christian Betsy Danehoot? Um, well, uh, was placing as well, and that's like top eight. And loads of people were playing eight places, and they were all eight without even any of the dead heat. And with Kiradesh, I was just smashing it. I mean, I was just returning. It was like going to be my highest ROI. And the weird thing is, I hadn't put any of those four guys um, on the options. I'd gone for guys that were higher EV, but I didn't have access to the accounts, such as Bet365, Skybet, I won't lie. I rehabilitated my account through request of bets, and then... Um, I was able to win decent five figures on lucky 15s and, and golf. And um, I was even placing a few 
boosts and I was they had given me this is like my 15 year old Skybet account and they'd given me um, limits on my boosts back and from nowhere I then went to like the smallest amount of liability like I think that's actually possible let's just log in I'm logging in now Sometimes on Lucky 15s, uh, my max bet is 4p, and uh, the minimum bet they take is 5p, so I can't literally place the bet. I just can't. Going over to the Dutch Open, if I just select somebody whose maths will be easy, so let's say 100 to 1 guy, Jack Senior, go each way on him, 6 places, 1 to 5, and then I just press up once, uh, 1 pound, uh, my max stake there is 30p, which is a lot which is to win 122 quid, which is a lot... Um, no, no, sorry, that's the one pound. Yeah, so I can win 36 pounds on BMW PGA on the golf liability, and that's actually a lot higher than a lot of other markets, that 36 pounds. I reckon they figured out who I was. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, the, I'm like a guy... Because I always wonder, how do people like... Um, well, Neil Channing was an old... Um, Skybet Poker Pro, so perhaps they had a little bit of a deal there that they're not obviously it probably wouldn't have been a hundred percent, but it would have been a I don't know, ten percent or five percent or something where you could get a reasonable amount of money on. But um what about people like Krushank who are just not affiliated at all, not pro not poker pros, not bringing any traffic over and just taking money out. They always say that they're betting uh, on their own accounts. How are they betting on their own accounts? I'm not sure they can. I think this it's not the hardest thing in the world for some trader just to do a sweep of who shall we target and avoid because if you don't have skin in the game, it just makes it a little bit harder. And I do not have skin in the game at Skybet just now. So regardless, I'm not betting at Skybet. I'm not betting at Bet365. Bet um, I'm not betting at William Hill online. I am betting on shops, but I'm getting different terms. I'm not getting the eight places in shops um, because, of course, they're stupid enough to um, offer the concessions online, but they can't do it in shops um, because, well, they must think that more people are trying to target them in shops than they are online. And yet they offer them online, and if you take the top price, you're going to end up being restricted anyway. They just restrict you for taking advantage of the um, concession that put, they put you in front of in the first place. Anyway, all that, I had these guys to win. Uh, none of them finished at the top 40, I don't think. I mean, how bad is that? Scrolling down, did anyone hit 35th? Stone waters, him, 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 him. No, unbelievable. It's the worst performance ever. Um, but I did do some personal ones, and I had um, a smash. Now, I didn't get... Peters didn't place in the end. He finished um, tied ninth. But I did get uh, Johnston, Beef, Betsy Danehut, and um, Afi Barnrat. Uh, Afi Barnrat, who has just come through the Corn Ferry Tour... Um, and has qualified, I saw an interview with him, and he said as soon as he qualified, all the pressure went away, and when all the pressure went away, he started being able to play. And I've seen this guy before. He was on the tour before. Was it the PGA or the European Tour? I don't remember. But he's got some serious skills, and I think this guy is going to be someone who's going to be highly priced because not a lot of people are betting on him. Sort of a random, um, uh, I think, Thai guy. Um uh, but he, he's always going to be up there because he's got the skill, especially if he can play without the pressure that he was talking about. But if we want to talk about pressure, he is two shots ahead of the field on the 17th hole, which is a par five. And the BMW at Wentworth finishes par five, par five. So it's the opportunity to catch up or stretch a lead if you want it. It's quite a nice way to finish. I like that. Two par fives right at the end. Um, uh, anything could happen. Um, and he's two shots ahead. And I'm just having a look at the exchange. I'm just in, I haven't done anything, but he's 1.7, 1.8, 1.9. Don't write in if, 
he, at max he was 1.9. I think he was as low as 1.7. Um, and I literally blinked and looked away at another screen for five minutes. And I've got the, the golf on the television and they've cut to an advert break. And then I look back at the exchange and he's 23. And I'm like, how can he just... He's on the 70th hole. He's got a two-shot lead. He was 1.7. And he's gone from... He's gone from one... He's gone to 23. And we're in an advert break. What the hell's going on? Is he dead? Has someone shot him? This is, has the... Has, a, has someone come into the exchange and got their numbers wrong? Should I take advantage of that? That's always an interesting question. Should you take advantage of that? It's like if someone's got their numbers wrong... It's just, it's it's not much different to um, uh, you drop your wallet in the street and the person behind you doesn't tap you on the shoulder to tell you they've dropped it. They pick it up and have a look through it. And if there's lots of money on it in it, they might just take the money. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, so taking advantage of people that have posted. But then how are you meant to know? I mean, certainly if someone tried to put a price up of 3.5 and they put 3.9 up, you're not you're not able to know that but he's put 23 up maybe he was trying to put up 2.3 i don't know any of these things and it's like i don't i i'm i was just really confused as to what was happening and then duncan came on the whatsapp thread said what the hell's going on with afi barnrat because um he has a piece of this guy as well and i'm watching the tv and they cut back to the, the golf and I, i'm half expecting to see him lying on the fairway receiving cpr uh and and they go to the they go to the leaderboard and start talking about the leaderboard. What are we doing? Something's obviously happened. Let's not cut to the leaderboard. And then they go to Afi Bonra, and he's on the 17th hole, and he's had his drive, and his drive is just off the edge of the fairway, so nothing disastrous. And he takes his second shot, which was a um, fairway driver or possibly a hybrid, two hybrid, three hybrid, four hybrid, something like that. And he's, he's going for the green in two, so he can have an eagle putt. And he actually sends it out of bounds, which is obviously bad but shouldn't account for him with a two shot lead um um going from 1.7 to 23 it then cuts to Laurie Cantor who has an eagle putt just misses it and gets a birdie he was the guy that was chasing Afi Barnrat and then cuts back to Afi Barnrat who's taken a drop shot and puts that out of bounds as well unbelievable two shots out of bounds in a row on the 17th when you've got a two shot lead uh he ends up finishing second by one shot in that tournament uh my uh, decent big five figure payday on that tournament um didn't quite come off but um three places was good uh, the whole moral of the story is that there's nothing wrong with the performance of the tracker and i wish i could take different guys sometime but i can't just put up people that are good at betfred in case somebody doesn't have a betfred i can't put up people that are just good at bet365 in case someone doesn't have a bet365. I have to put up, it's only fair if I put up a sort of mixture, a a wide scope, a breadth of bookmakers on the tracker to monitor the performance for. And in all honesty, it doesn't matter in the long run. There will be tournaments where the golf options and the WGV guys win and I'm not on them. Um, although I will be on them in the exchange, but I won't. Oh, there will be tournaments where loads of them place fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, the concessionary places, and I'm definitely not on them then. Um, uh, and I'm, and then conversely, there will be tournaments where I'm on them um, because they were good at Betfred or they were good at independent shops, and I haven't put them on 
the golf options or WGV. And in the long run, that will all iron out. It will even out to be 50-50, but in the short run, it looks awful. Just now, that full loss, but not just a loss, that would have been concerning had I not seen the performance of the other players in the tracker. And they tended... I don't know if Horschel was plus EV. That's the only thing. I usually keep a record, but uh, in fact, you know what? Shall we go and have a look? It's it's in some downloaded file that's going to take a little bit... Little bit of um, working out what what day of the week was it last week? It was the eighth of August. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was the eighth of September. And if I just search this file, oh no, that's the yeah. If I search this file for the big horse, Billy Horschel. Well, Sam Horsfield was good. Billy Horschel, Billy Horschel was one hundred and six point two percent EV at William Hill at twenty eight to one. There you go. So um, the the only thing with that is that it was a short price, and there were probably people who were better EV. In fact, there were. Victor Hovland was at William Hill was better EV for a lower price, so he's slightly more um, um, uh, slightly more. Uh, where's that word? You try and catch it. It's not agreeable. Slightly more attractive, if you like. Billy Horschel, you were you were, <laughs> you were slightly less attractive than Victor Hovland. Uh, because, you know, Victor's 10 to 1, 108% EV. Billy Horschel's uh, 28 to 106% EV. But I'll tell you, if, Billy, if Victor Hovland hadn't been... If Victor Hovland hadn't been good, hadn't been that 108% EV, Horschel was next. I mean, really fine margins here we're talking about. Again... Talking about the short term, let's not worry about that too much. Um, so, putting all of that into perspective, um, the feedback was this guy had been butchered uh, in the last couple of months. Now, without looking at the data, here's the first thing. The words butchered and sort of two months, which is uh, eight weeks or 16 roughly golf events maybe a bit fewer because some have been one a week so maybe 14 golf events 14 independent events that's what you've got to look at and there may be 10 golfers per event so it's 140 bets but only one person can win each event so each event is uh individual and those are the things that you have to be taken into account and it's unfortunate that we can't speed golf up because it takes such a long time to start getting to a reasonable sample size but if you had 14 horse races in a row and didn't pick the winner um it doesn't matter what your strategy is that is simply too much of a small sample size to look at your data and wondering if something's going on or if it isn't. In fact, even 140 races isn't enough. You'd be, about 1,400 is the factor. Now, sadly, we can't... It's really difficult to wait 100 times two months, 200 months for us to look at our data um, and see if we're doing anything wrong. So these heuristic analyses where we look backwards at data sets on golf super difficult to do uh, uh, unless we've been doing it for 10 years or 20 years um, so instead what we have to do is trust the process the mathematics that are underpinning the analyses that we do and more importantly stake at a level where we could lose every single bet for three months including all of the places and not blink our eyes in other words we could lose every single bet for three months and not use the word 
butchered. Um, it would be unfortunate, and actually this drawdown has been the worst drawdown in two and a half years, so we are reaching sort of a one in two and a half years event at this moment in time, um, whether you want to call that unfortunate or not, you know. Um, it's certainly, it's, it's not exceptional, um, because, of course, it could happen. And whether we break out of it or not has nothing to do with what has happened up until now. We are equally likely to go on another drawdown of the worst in two and a half years over the next six weeks as we are to go on the best winning run that we've ever had either way the long-term roi is the only thing that's important and looking at the two and a half years year three which is now four months old because of this run that we're on we're now down at eight percent roi we've staked three thousand five hundred and ninety pounds and we've got three thousand nine hundred and ninety three pounds back most of those winnings were at the beginning of year three where we hit a sort of run of patrick cantley followed by jonathan caldwell um, and then Abraham Hampson, uh, uh, Alan Colin Morikawa were in between that. So we hit those guys all in the first few weeks, and then sort of since, as we said, the beginning of August, it's just been hardly any places. Um, yeah, combining the years before as well, though, 34% ROI over year two, 30, also 34% ROI over year one. And the combination of everything is 29.5% ROI over two and a half years. And that's kind of more important what we just have to be able to do is um go on a long run if we're going to continue it that drawdown um uh, that bankroll either we're going to bust it in a this weekend uh, and now the options are reevaluate what we're doing reevaluate how much we're staking um reevaluate how we're staking if we want to sort of um, be um by that i mean do you want to be looking at five percent of the field each week because of course the variance changes depending on the, the coverage of the field if you're covering 50 percent of the field every week you're going to on average get a winner every other week but the, um if you don't get that winners after all you're going to be losing a lot of money and that could be fine but if you're staking 25 uh, percent of the field you're going to get a winner once every 20 weeks or 20 events and so the variance profile is very different to that as well and what we need to be comfortable with is if we bust our bankroll this weekend very big chance of doing it i think about um uh one in three chance of busting the bankroll this weekend so again we don't fast forward backwards to look at what the chances of busting it because we can't affect what's happened in the past that's gambler's fallacy we can only start now and look at what's going to happen in the future if we bust it for the love of God, I hope it's not your only bankroll. Maybe it is, and you had fun, and you got to go and do something else. Uh, it better not be all the money you got in the entire world, otherwise you're an idiot. Um, for me, if I'd busted that, uh, it's time to reload. And I've probably got about four golf reloads in the bag before I have to start questioning what I'm doing if I want to start um, uh, changing my 10 to 15% field coverage strategy that I have um, uh, and so on and so forth. And, you know, there's not an unlimited amount of money in the world. And probably once I have, um, I, well, in the world, in my bank account, and once I have busted those four bankrolls, I'm probably going to be thinking about I need to start, well, it's horrible, but it happens. Um, if there can't be a professional gambler in the world that hasn't said that he's either stopped uh, a particular avenue or has reduced stakes until they can be comfortable and build up a bankroll again. Now, that, by, I'm nowhere near that. And the reason I'm nowhere near that is that um, the overall graph, can I bring this up? 
edit. Okay, I edited that bit out because it took me an unbelievable amount of time to find the folder that that was in. It was just a bit of boring bash cast where you just listen to me click through folders, getting angry and angrier that I'm not so good at uh, <laughs> organizing my files. If you look at the graph of um, your three golf profits, which is, again, I mean, golf options. This is just the golf options. The, the bets that I put up before the beginning of the tournament to monitor the performance of the tracker. There's obviously one, two, three, four big win weeks up until August, from May till August, and then it's almost a straight line down. And we have lost two-thirds of our peak profit, uh, but we're still in profit. That's the thing. It's just, had you started at that at the beginning of that, uh, of that major downswing, then you'd have been in trouble. In the overall graph, um, it really looks like nothing in the two-and-a-half-year graph. It, it's a blip in the road that appears to have happened one, two, three, four, five times before. So this is the sixth time something this big has happened, albeit it's probably this is the fastest that it's happened. Uh, this is the fastest that it's gone, um, no place, no place, no place. But the order of events are completely random. Of course, you have two events in the same week, but they could be right next to each other or they could be four weeks apart. It doesn't matter. It's just random when you get those week after weeks where no one places in both events at the same time, if that makes sense. you know, There'll be another week of two people place in the same event, then that's probably enough for a break-even week even if you fully bust the other way. So all I'm saying is that the order that these things happen are completely random. This is a fast downswing, but the overall graph is still vastly in profit to the tune of nearly 30% uh, return on investment. In summary, it's been tough for me and for quite a few uh, people following the tracker since the beginning of August. Uh, and I personally am changing nothing from what I am doing, um, all I'm going to be doing is keeping an eye on it um, uh, so that I can change strategy if I need to after maybe it would still need to be another two or three months of exactly the same um, zero placing for me to actually uh, initiate uh, something like that. <laughs> Uh, let's open the mailbag this week. We've got two in the mailbag uh, for the middle of September. So the first... Now, if you if you write to me, and um, I, I may, with feedback, I may read it out unless you explicitly ask me not to. But unless you explicitly say I can as well, I won't. I'll keep it anonymous. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep this uh, from an anonymous person. Um, but they write in um, just last week and they say, Hello, bashers. Uh, just done my totting up for August. Uh, I knew I'd had a good month, but it turns out it's my best month since I joined BB back in January 2019. Uh, so if there's a charity that you guys support, then I'd like to bung them a few quid and pass on the love. Man, thanks. Hey, that's a tremendous uh, email. Obviously, if he has been tarting up for August, um, not 
uh, entirely focused on just the golf options, but that's why there's a wide range of horse racing, golf, darts, shop stuff, GSOs, things like that. In all honesty, other than a blip uh, between um, August the 2nd, um, August the 8th, and now on the golf options that we've been discussing, um, most trackers uh, look like they've been going through um, quite a decent period. Some of them um, deserved it or needed it, because there'd been quite um, some periods where um, there'd been quite a big downswing. Um, January and February, quite famously for golf as well, uh, not golf, football, sorry, where there were just so few action periods. And it really picked up and everything picked up from March onwards where we're seeing profit. And the start of the new season has been fantastic. But um, March saw one of our uh, biggest exodus dates um, ever, which completely ties in with uh, results just going against us. Um, but good to see that... Um, I, so I don't know exactly the portfolio of this guy. Great to see it. In terms of charities, they're always very... They're personal things, charities. Uh, you, cho- you choose to give to charity or don't choose to give to charity. That's up to you. I don't think um, either way, if you do or you don't. Um and if you've got a personal one that you like, I mean, it's always like, you know, Battersea Dogs for Homeless People or whatever it's called. It's like, well, if you don't like dogs, then that's a stupid one. I always gave personal local ones to things that meant to me, such as the um, the Hospital Trust up in uh, Staffordshire that saved my mum's life when she was very, very, very poorly a decade ago. And she's still going strong now, so they did a good job. But of course, that's personal to me. So I think I suggested um, the uh, the refugeecouncil.org.uk if anyone is in the same boat as a, a sort of current thing. They uh, are sort of helping out a lot of the Afghanistani and other refugees that are coming to this country and resettling as they've had a really tough time of it. It, it was one thing, I went up to Loch Lomond recently uh, and it, the, the, one of the nicest chilled out times of it was just going to the, literally to the bonnie, bonnie banks of Loch Lomond um, at, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, taking the kids down there, taking the family down there, taking some wood, starting a fire by the bonnie banks um, and just chilling out with a few glasses of wine and sitting on the, it was an absolutely stunning place. Despite being Scottish, I'd never been to Loch Lomond in my, in my life until last month, although £18 for fish and chips, £18 for fish and chips. I mean, the Americans are coming. Guys, guys, the Americans are coming. Fish and chips, how much? No, no, 15. We can get more out than that. Um, and I was just thinking when I was up there, I don't know, it's like such a, you see the harrowing videos of these guys trying to get out of the country and have full sympathy for the people that haven't been able to get out, but really nobody can do anything about them. You can only control what is in the sphere of influence around you. And what I thought was, wouldn't it be nice if those guys, if those refugees who obviously have to like quarantine and then after they quarantine, they have to live off like, I don't know, I have no idea how much, but like 20 pounds a week and handouts probably. Wouldn't it be nice just for them to chill around this lake with... um with a glass of wine and looking at the beauty of Loch Lomond and um, the outrageous summer days and getting bitten to death by midges. I thought I was next to someone who, my sister-in-law now, because she's just married Jen's brother, and she got bit once by a midgey and I got bit over 200 times. Can anyone explain that? Can anyone explain that? If you can, email in 
to tom at bookiebashing.net and um, I will take some questions in the mailbag. By the way, I actually do need questions and comments coming to the mailbag, please, because literally when I get the mailbag and I open it, I'm only picking up comments from elsewhere or emails that have been sent in to us. And I don't uh, have... uh, I can only answer questions that are in my own head. Um, Okay, so that's number one of two. Number two, and as I say, I picked this up from elsewhere. We, I did a, a video podcast uh, with SBC, with Smart Betting Club, um, a couple of weeks ago. It was great fun, although before the podcast, what I have to do is I've got to get um, Tiger Energy, and I get my Tiger Energy by jumping on the platform and then lifting the barbell over my head, um, and then you really get the heart going. I've got a really slow beating heart as well. It, so slowly at rest sometimes when I go into hospital they won't let me out because they think I've got a massive problem and then they figure out that it's just that I've got a really big heart and too much love and not enough people to give it to um where have I gone come back out of this cul-de-sac reverse I'm talking about my heart oh that's what I was talking about um and so I went on the peloton and sweat into bits and then I did my um olympic lifting and then I came up and then I've got to do a video podcast and it's a hot day and I can't have my fan on, this fan, because it's just too noisy. Check it out. If I turn this um, Dyson fan on, which, by the way, the Dyson fans, they're meant to be silent. That's meant to be silent. What a waste of 200 quid that was. Although, to be fair, I bought it when Sasha was born because they had them in the hospital. And I thought they were cool. Um, so I'll turn that off. So I couldn't have the fan on and I'd just been on the Peloton. It was a warm day. Literally looked like I was having a coronary. I was just like, I was just wiping sweat from my head for the first half an hour. Anyway, um, there's another great saying in life is never look at the YouTube comments. But of course, I had to. And here we see, um, I'm going to mention him because it's obviously a synonym, Craig Ray. Uh, A synonym? No. The word for when you don't, when you have used someone else's name again. Words aren't right there today for me, are they? I had a look through the past. We haven't had a Craig Ray subscribe to Bucky Bashing. So there you go. Uh, Craig leaves the leaves the comment. Um, this is big in capital letters. Um, to, okay. Utter nonsense. I wouldn't bet on anything Tom said if I had a gun to my head. He non-stop blathers on about a bunch of useless trackers where he says something is, capital letters, mega purple value uh, because, well, he says it is, And that's the final word. Some more interesting questions could have been asked, such as, are you still hiding from your own Discord forum? Why can't you hold simple debates about basic betting principles in public? As a tongue twister. And what happened when you got when you were caught fraudulently reporting on fake results? Instead, we hear about how much of a hero this guy is after timing bets from some rugby game a decade ago. Snorefest. So thanks. That's great. Thank you, Craig. I said, I'm, if I get like 10 bits of positive feedback and then one bit of negative feedback, I always hold on to that one bit of negative feedback as like the primary thing that is being sent in to me. I don't know why. It's the, it's the thing that I see most of all. Listen, there's a lot going on there. And actually, uh, having spoken through it, especially with Duncan, who is the voice of reason a lot of the times, um, this guy is just poking trying to get a reaction and um, I don't think anything in there um, warrants a reply especially when phrased uh, like that um, in all honesty if you want if anyone 
wants detail on any of those questions, like an actual explanation, detail, uh, a description, uh, reasoning. Um, I have some, and uh, if you want to email in to the mailbag, I'm more than happy to go through it. Um, but the only thing I'm going to pick up from Craig is the logical fallacy that he wouldn't bet on anything that I said if he had a gun to his head. Now, of everything that he said, that is the most egregious. Because if he had a gun to his head and the guy was saying, I'm going to shoot you in the head or you have to bet on something that Tom said was value, surely, surely, the plus EV play here is to bet on that thing, even if that thing is negative EV. Even if it's negative EV, if you've got a gun to your head and someone's going to shoot you if you don't bet on it, then the long-term play, you know, um, let's not look... Even the short-term play, you know, we can look both long-term and short-term here. The better play is to bet on the thing that the person's going to say, assuming that he's going to shoot you in the head if you don't do it. That's the whole, that just, you know, that's just all I would say about that. I've had, bizarrely, just picking this one up from the memory banks, I haven't thought about this for a while, I've had a gun put to my head before, which is not something that many people, like loads of people in America have probably been mugged and gone through some quite... Uh, bad experiences, but America is awash with guns. That's why the police over there are assholes. They have to be because they're at threat of being shot by people with guns. The police, the police in this country are a lot more um, pleasant because uh, they're not as terrified all of the time that random general members of the public are going to shoot them. I was in Birmingham 20 years ago now. Good grief. Probably would have been about, yeah, it would have been 20 years ago. It would have been 21 years ago, the year 2000. Um, and I was probably just beginning my post no, it was just before I did my postgraduate. And it was just before I disappeared around the world uh, to live in Australia and a few other countries back then, just before the Sydney Games. And I went to a Lloyds Bank just opposite the pub. I was going to go and meet my mates in. And I'm at the Lloyds Bank, and there's two shifty fellas just um, sat there on the wall. And I go up, and I type my PIN number in. And then they come up, they both come and stand right on my shoulder. And it's like um, 9 p.m. at night, 10 p.m. at night. So it's quite late, and it's dark. And they stand, one, both stand, one on each shoulder. And uh, um, the guy places a gun that, like, against the side of my head, essentially, and I turn around and I see the gun. Now, this could have been a BB gun, this could have been a toy gun. In all honesty, it wasn't the moment to debate that. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I wasn't exactly like Jean-Claude Van Damme, where I sort of karate arm his, uh, his arm at the elbow and then snap the gun out of him and then point it in his face and go, what's your pin number, motherfucker? No, it was none of that. It was like, oh, Jesus wept. This is not a good situation to be in. And um, they asked what my pin number was. And I think I remember telling them, even though I'd already typed my pin number in. So it was a bit late to tell them. And stupidly, I didn't think quick enough. I was only 12, 22 years old, so I wasn't, you know, it was an idiot. I could have told them any four numbers, given that they were already in to the withdraw money out of my bank account uh, area. And I didn't have a lot of money in the bank account at that time either. I'll tell you that. They could have chosen someone a little bit better than some 
guy in the first year of his postgraduate at university. I mean, that's the poorest you'll ever be in your entire life. Um, and uh, my only thought was, I've got to get out of here. And he, what the other guy, the guy that didn't have the gun, had his hand in my pocket. And I think he stole a pack of fags and my car keys for this golf, that this like really cheap golf that I drove around at the time that was only worth a couple hundred quid. And as I, I, I made the decision that getting out of Dodge was my better play than hanging around and talking to these guys. And I just turned and legged it whilst this guy had his hand in my pocket. And I remember he grabbed the car keys and they fell on the floor and he grabbed a pack of fags, which really pissed me off, the fags as well, to tell you the truth. And I legged it over the road. I had this feeling of, God, if they... Weirdly, there was a grass bank on the other side of the road. And I was thinking... I hope I make it to the grass bank because if they shoot me in the middle of the road, it'll hurt falling on the tarmac, but it'll hurt less. You know, what a dumb thought to have. It'll hurt less uh, falling on the grass. Anyway, I ran to the pub. Uh, now, I, I knew the guys. I knew the manager at the pub. I knew the bouncers. I was quite ingratiated in this pub called the Gun Barrels in Birmingham, which no longer exists. It was a legendary pub. Uh, so I knew everyone there. And uh, it was quite close as well. So I run there to tell everyone I've just been mugged and had a gun put to my head. And loads of people then came back to the bank to see my car being driven off into the distance, and that was them gone. So phoned the police, um, and the police took me in for an interview. Because it's late at night, I went in and gave my statement and everything like that. And um, they cleared out my bank account. But more importantly, they stole a VHS copy of Wayne's World, which was on the back seat, and Jimmy Nail's Crocodile Shoes album. And that, that was the real crime. That was his album uh, with Crocodile Shoes. Didn't have Ain't No Doubt on that, which is, in my opinion, both the video, the music video for Ain't No Doubt by Jimmy Nail and the song are top five all time, right? Top five all time. I don't know where. It's probably not one or two, but I think... Jimmy Nail's Ain't No Doubt is the third greatest song that's ever been written. If you haven't seen the video, go and watch it on YouTube. It's utterly brilliant. It's compelling. It's fantastic. So they nicked Wayne's World and they nicked um, Crocodile Shoes. And I went to the police station and I gave my statement. And I think I was out. It was quite a long statement. And I was out of the police station um, in Bourneville at like uh, one o'clock in the morning or something like that. And they said, because it's one o'clock in the morning and my car's been nicked, they'll drive me home. So they drove me home. But then I said, instead of driving me home, could you just drop me outside the gun barrels? Because I was friendly with the staff, the assistant manager, the manager, the bouncers and the guys behind the bar. I always would hang out after the pub had closed for the lock-in back then. Is a lock-in still a thing? I don't know. But back then they were. And uh, I'd head down, that's why I was heading down so late, 9, 10 o'clock at night, because I was sort of staying after it closed down to the general public at 11 o'clock and then hang around with uh, staff for some free beer um, after midnight. Uh, but stupidly, of course, lock-ins, not the most legal thing in the entire world. And I'm asking the, the, the police patrol car to drop me outside the gun barrels. And... Um, I remember they said, um, it'll be closed now, mate. And I said, it's all right. They'll be having a lock-in. At which point, I did catch myself saying this to the police officers going, oh, it may not have been the most clever thing in the entire world to have said. But regardless, good on them. They uh, dropped me off outside. And uh, 
uh, my evening was only delayed. Uh, I did get the car back, but I didn't, you'll be sad to hear, I didn't get either the VHS of Wayne's World back or my, um, the album Crocodile Shoes from Jimmy Nail and still missing to this day. Utter, utter bastards. <laughs> So the NFL has returned way too early for me. Gets catches me off guard every single year. Um, uh, Kansas City last year's runners-up favorites, five point six in the exchange. Tampa Bay last year's winners, eight. They're the two that top the market. I've just realized, by the way, I've been watching the golf all day thinking that I wanted Peters because he was starred in my list and then I just checked um, how much I stood to win on him and realized I hadn't bet on him at all. And all day I've been watching the golf because um, it's like I recorded, I've recorded the Bashcast over two days and today's uh, later on the Thursday. And yeah, I, I was convinced I wanted... Peters to win and I was cheering when he had eagle putts and getting excited when he when he when he gets his birdies and I I'm not even on him. <laughs> what a waste of an emotional roller coaster day. Um yeah, I, I had a small scout around for the 016 bet or 017 it is this year. Um because there are seventeen games for reasons I have not read or understood about. And this is a bet I have done loads of years in a row where you uh could get back in the day it was fun uh 26 25 to 1 30 to 1 33 to 1 even 40 to 1 on a team to go uh 0 and 16 0 and 17 this year all the way anyway until 2017 when um I was betting on it quite hard because I was expecting the Jets to go 0 and 16 it ended up being the Cleveland Browns, who went 0 and 16, they actually went 0 and 19 because they had a, um, a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the final game of the 2016 um, season and then um, and then lost a couple of, uh, in the season afterwards. But just in the 2017 season, um, the Cleveland Browns went 0 and 16. Perfect loss. And the reason why it's a fun bet is that once you get. Obviously, after week one, half the teams are one and zero, half the teams are zero and one, and and the number of teams winless drops off week by week until you're in about the eighth or ninth week, and you're only left with a couple, and then you can start cheering on those guys every single week to to lose, to get hammered, and you get closer and closer to the end of the season. It's just a fun, it's a really fun bet, and the, the, on top of that, there was tended to be value um, from 1983. Until 2016, so that's a 34-year stretch. It was only the Detroit Lions in 2009, um, the first non-expansion team to lose every single game um, in the world in a full season since World War Two, um, th- and that's probably why they thought that that was an exception that that happened to the Detroit Lions and so we were getting 30 to 1 33 to 1 40 to 1 on it happening again uh, and then when the Cleveland Browns did it in 2017 cleaned up even though hands up I was doing it because of the Jets but I was betting on any team and since then 
The odds have just got worse and worse and worse. I think I still managed to find something on William Hill SSBTs last season, but to give me just sixteen to one on the Jacks, just on one team, the Jags, um, as Peters nearly holes in from fifty yards, and I'm not interested now. I'm going to turn this off. I'm furious that I wasted that intelligence, that emotional intelligence. Um, it's just I can't do it. So it's the first season in a long time. I'm not on it. I'm not on anyone to win. I'm not on any. Zero and sixteens. What I am on, um, again, what I can get on in the exchanges, half-time, half-time, full-time. Now, I need to update the stats, actually, and I'll do that in the next couple of weeks. But this edge is essentially in rugby and in um, NFL. I've had a long time positive ROI. Just targeting games that look like they're going to be tight, they're going to be low-scoring, and just um, looking at the... Uh, breadth of opinion that there can be amongst bookmakers about what the who's going to be winning at half time because often their models are extremely simple and they just copy one game to another especially in that secondary market uh, they're probably not taking a lot of money on it and they can be very lazy and some bookmakers get it right um, and some bookmakers copy and paste and can get it very wrong now they tend not to be obs because the exchange market doesn't exist, um, or if it does, it's not liquid. Um, um, but what tends to happen is that if it's a low-scoring game, let's imagine that there are going to be, in NFL, 40 games or fewer, right? And the points are going up in recent seasons in NFL uh, due to changes to um, um, rules surrounding defense and the quarterback. Um, but the average tends to sort of be 45, 46, 40 and lower is quite few points, is good to target. And the reason is, if there are going to be 40 points in the match, well, let's just say it's a 50-50 split first half and second half, just for argument's sake, keeping it simple, that's 20 points in the first half. Um, now, just talking about touchdowns and extra points and field goals um we have three points for the field goal seven points for the touchdown and you know the extra point that has a 99 percent conversion rate we do have the option of the two points um but that's less common in the first half that's more where a team has to chase or go for it you see the two points it has to come into it but let's just keep it simple let's just say we've either got three or seven points on the table um and we've got um two tightly matched teams that are going to score 20 points in the first half. Well, the permutations are either one of 16 scores. It's 0-0, nil, 0-3, 0-7, 0-10. 3-0, 3-3, 3-7, 3-10, 7-0, 7-3, 7-7, 7-10, 10-0, 10-3, 10-7, and 10-10. That scores, they're going to get. Right? So it's not 16. It's uh, 20 different permutations, and four of those, 0-0, 3-3, 7-7, 10-10, Four of those outcomes, one-fifth of them, 20%, is a draw. Now, just going on that, you'd be wanting about odds of, you know, 5 to 1, 6 to 1, 7 to 1 for it to be plus EV. That's ridiculously loud. I'm very angry at you. You need to think about what you're doing around town.
that motor, that's, that's just ridiculous. Now, of course, it's not quite as simple as that. Looking at the distribution of points at halftime, um, the very, there are no, obviously there are no games with one point, very few games with two points, um, um, very few games with five points, very few games with eight points. That takes, um, you know, when we're looking, when we're looking at the draw at halftime, we've got to be looking at even numbers. Of course, well, we've got to take out eight because eight can pretty much never happen. Um, or never has happened. Very few with 12. Um, quite a lot with 6. Quite a lot with 4. So the 6 being 3. 3, obviously. There, quite a lot with 14. Uh, quite a lot with 16. Are a load of 20. So 10 10 is quite a, quite a popular scoreline. And so it's not quite an even distribution amongst them. But regardless, go and have a look at odds checker uh, on matches with a low scoring prediction. You can sort of get an easy table of um, the over under points on Bet365 and target games of 40 or less points. Um, 40.5 is the over under line. Um, have a couple, look for relatively even matched teams where the favourite isn't shorter than 1.3 because then you get an issue that even though there's going to be few points in the first half, one team will have the majority of them. Things like adverse weather conditions mean that fewer tries and touchdowns are scored in the snow and the sleet and the heavy rain and the strong wind. And um, high pressure games at the end of the season can also they make things cagey and any injuries to offense players or normally sees the points line come down. It might be a little bit the the under might be you know might be a good bet here. And so anytime you can sort of target a bet at a game that's already got a low unders line or might look like it you know it's going in that direction the line's coming down um uh, it's not a bad idea just to go and find the bookmakers that are offering a high price uh, and then if you can find them um and get on them great um and um the exchange markets are liquid but you if you can populate you know um 9.2 9.4 in the exchanges when 11.0 is available, for instance, at Unibet or Boyles, someone's going to come and see that and take your price. So you should be okay. And um, the equity can be up to, you know, 120, 130, 140% EV. For the first time this season, because my, my historical records are quite are, are positive ROI, there was a season, a couple of seasons ago, where they just seemed to all hit in a two week period. It was like, taking candy from a baby which is really easy um but now instead what we'll do is track them the, the difficulty's always been coming up with the fair odds but i think I, I came up with an idea this year that i'm just going to take you know a steady reliable bookmaker not a soft book something that will um that has the um the home the away and the draw priced up for half time and i'll just take the, i'll work out the margin add it to those prices um uh, with no bias uh, and I will use that as the fair odds. It's kind of crude, so it'll be up as an alpha calculation, but I uh, um, just want to show that it's possible. I did have Detroit in the first week. They did not um, They did not fin finish a draw at halftime, but it wasn't a million miles away as I bring the game up. Um, it was Detroit Lions. For, no, it wasn't Detroit. I lie. It wasn't Detroit. God, that was... Uh, 31-10 at halftime. It was the Broncos. Denver, the other D. It was the Denver Broncos. Nil-nil after the first quarter. 7-7 seven, seven into the uh, late in the second quarter. And then uh, field goal made it 10-7. So you can see, you know, 
how close that is. And um, in all the games, I think there was just the one. There could have been more, but I think I just saw the one when I was totting it up the other day. Uh, and I'm running through them, doing the mental maths at the same time. It was, yeah, it was the New England Patriots versus the Miami Dolphins, which you wouldn't have got because it wasn't, it, it's not like we, we missed them one there because the line was set at, um, oh, was it really 32, 35, 40, 42, 45? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 2.0, go and find 2.0. 43, it was almost just one or two points ahead of something that we would possibly target. So it's not like you would picked it out anyway. But um, when you have the top price in these things are like twelve to one, thirteen to one, sometimes fourteen to one, um, ten to one, and there are just matches where it shouldn't be ten to one. It's just happening much more frequently than that, and the traders are just using some lazy old models to um, price these. So um, I'm going to update the stats on the blog for the last season because um, the latest stats went up to the end of the 2019-2020 season and then um, yeah for the first time we'll start recording it this, uh, this year I mean how long is it going to take to get um, if I did one game last week even over a 16-17 game season if I'm doing one or two a week it's going to take the better part of 30 years to get a sample size that is uh, reasonable to look at and gauge whether it is a uh, successful strategy, by which time I will be 73 and living in Marbella, drinking wine, eating tapas. Coming up this weekend, I have no idea what is coming up this weekend. Go forward to Saturday on Flash Scores and we see. I'll tell you what's coming up. We're having a week off the golf next week because of the Ryder Cup. And then I just found out I'm away at a cottage with people that aren't golf fans. So I'm just going to be sat in the back room on my iPad not talking to anyone. Sounds like a perfect weekend for me, to tell you the truth. Um, the game of the weekend is not happening on Saturday. So it must be happening... Oh no, it's happening on Friday. So there are no big football matches on this weekend, unfortunately. The big one is Newcastle versus Leeds. 8pm on Friday night whatever it is that you're betting on please don't bet on it if I've said it was value even if you had a gun to your head the mouse found a nut and the nut was good good